0: Amen. Amen. good to see everybody here this morning. We uh, want to say happy Labor Day weekend. I know that there's a lot of people that are having uh, uh, cookouts and visiting family that are traveling and all that good stuff. And uh, as Forrest was saying, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we just want to extend a warm welcome to you. We appreciate you being here and uh, pray that you really and truly encounter Jesus in a personal way, because that's why we gather together here. I um, uh, also want to make mention, if you guys were not here last Sunday night during the night of worship, I'm, all I can say is you, you missed out. I mean, something incredible happened during our time together last Sunday. Our worship team just, you know, again, we just came here with with a desire and a heart, like Forrest was saying, just just to worship God. They did an outstanding job. There was so much joy. I think uh, Justin uh, described it best when he told Rachel. He said, uh, it was just like a joy bomb dropped in this place. And so, uh, you know, it it was just wonderful to be in the presence of God. And the Bible, you know, that's biblical. Because the scripture says that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. So... uh, uh, We had a great time. Next time, uh, we'll definitely be uh, scheduling another one. Make sure that you make plans to be here with us. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. But if you have a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and turn over to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And uh, we're going to be continuing our series on the kingdom of God. I also want to mention, immediately after service, we're going to be having a baptism. So if you could, just stick around, make sure that you are... uh, uh being a part of that so we can uh, uh celebrate baptism's a big deal and uh we want to be respectful to God to uh our, our brothers and sisters that are being baptized and welcome them as part of the uh part of the family but uh over the last few weeks we've been talking about the kingdom of God and and we begin by by discussing the uh the understanding of how the kingdom of God operates the basically the entry level uh, understanding of, of the kingdom of God. And we talked about four things. We talked about the cross, the covenant, the community, and the kingdom. Last week, we talked about the priority uh, of the kingdom. And, and we begin to define what the kingdom of God really was. And, and we, we asked the question, what uh, constitutes or what makes up a kingdom? And we said that a kingdom obviously has a king... A king has a territory or a domain which, uh, in which the, he rules. A kingdom has a constitution or a covenant. And the kingdom has a government which enforces and carries out the laws of the constitution. We said that a kingdom has citizens, and in the kingdom of God, there is only one king, and the rest of us are, are servants. And so we just kind of broke down the definition of what a kingdom was. And uh, we also asked the question, uh, what, what is the church? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we said that the word for church in the Greek language was the word ekklesia, which means uh, called out ones, and, and how that uh, it was actually the word that is used for the Roman, uh, Roman Senate. So we see from the beginning that the church was intended to operate as a governing body, not a religious institution. For uh, uh, some reason, uh, human nature... Uh, man's flesh can turn uh, something that God intended to be incredible, beautiful, and powerful into something that is dead and dried up and a bunch of uh, religious rituals and things that, 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 that are void of life. And so... You know, the, the church has a role in the kingdom. The church is not the kingdom. The kingdom is much larger than the church. The, the, the kingdom is larger than uh, uh, mo- multiple churches coming together. But we defined what a kingdom was. We defined what the church was. And, and then we said that a kingdom is something that, that obviously has a king. It has a territory, which the king rules has constitution, has a covenant, which are the laws in which the king intends for the territory to be governed, and that the church is this governing body that enforces the laws and uh, the, the, the constitution of that particular kingdom. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the keys to the kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter number 16... We're going to start reading at verse number 13. We'll read 13 through 19. If you're there, everybody say amen. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, it never ceases to amaze me, that, that men, when you read through the Gospels, men could never figure out who Jesus was, but the demons got it right every time. You know, the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. Men, for some reason or another, were confused and couldn't figure out who, who he was. And so they're saying that he was Jeremiah, Elijah, or, or one of the prophets. And then uh, Jesus specifically asked Peter the question in verse 15, he said to them, "'But who do you say that I am?' And Simon Peter answered and said, "'You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.' Jesus answered and said to him, "'Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it.'" Verse nineteen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray together, would you? Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together in your house. I thank you for my brothers and sisters and those that are here to worship you. I pray that you would take your word today and cause it to explode in our spirits and in our minds. I pray that you give us revelation knowledge in our heart concerning your kingdom and the role that you would have us to play in it. Help us to grow up into a place of of maturity where we assume our responsibilities and, and not just look for the benefits and the privileges. Lord, we believe that you are building your kingdom, that this church and churches all across this nation and around the world are a part of that kingdom. And we want to say in agreement with Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Now bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we, we said that a kingdom is made up of, of citizens. And, and being a citizen in the kingdom of God uh, comes with uh, a lot of tremendous uh, privileges, and, and uh, 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 special things that the scriptures teach us that are made available, rights that are included in this particular citizenship, but it also includes responsibilities. Now, God intends for every citizen that is a part of his kingdom to experience the, bu- the full benefit of these privileges and these responsibilities, and, and God wants us to experience something that's far greater than we've experienced up to this point. Not, not just, not just uh, privileges, not, not just the benefits, but, but all of us have a responsibility. I was sitting here uh, worshiping the Lord, and I think about oftentimes the, the kind of attitude and the expectation that we bring with us when we come into the house of God. You know, most of us, and I won't say I'm not trying to, to point out a group and, 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 point out a, a, and not point out a, another group, but, but most of us, we kind of come to church with the attitude that we are going to come and wait and see if something happens. In other words, we come with a passive attitude. You know, if something happens that ends up being very good, then that's wonderful. We, we get to experience something that's good. If we come and nothing happens, then you know what? Uh, we at least fulfilled our obligation to God because we've come and we've come to church once a week and we've clocked in and we did our nine to five. But what I want you to understand, uh, if you were born again, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And every citizen has the responsibility to come and to do his or her part to engage God in worship to create an atmosphere where God can show up in the midst of His community. I want you to know something. Every person here, each of you that are genuinely, you're born again, you have a responsibility to come with the mental attitude, with the spiritual disposition, with the attitude of expectancy to create an atmosphere for God to move. God doesn't just show up God shows up where God is invited. He said, Ask, and you shall receive. He said, Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. The Bible says that God inhabits, or He's enthroned in the praises of His people. So all of us who are here today, we have a reason to come to church and to worship God and to bless God and to create an atmosphere. It's important that you understand, The first of all, your attitude plays a critical role in the experience that you have. You see, the attitude you have determines the atmosphere you create. The attitude you have determines the atmosphere that you create. The atmosphere that you create determines the experience that you have. It can't be sung down on you. It can't be preached down on you. You can't go to church enough in order to encounter it. We may experience the residue of something that God has done, but you will never experience the fullness of what God has for you and your life without personally taking the initiative and engaging God in true worship, so I want to challenge you when you come in here on Sunday mornings, come understanding that you know what I have a responsibility to engage my heart, engage my mind, engage my soul, and engage my strength in worshiping God. Jesus said the first commandment and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said the second one is just like it. He said, but He said, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Listen, our lives should be lived in the overflow of our love for God. And if we do not... Uh, uh, create an atmosphere where we are being filled with God on a continual basis, we will stop loving people out of the overflow of our love for God, and we'll start trying to love people with our, in our own strength. And our love is too weak. Our love is too pathetic. Our, our, our love is, is too passive to really be able to love well. So we have responsibilities as part of the kingdom of God. Now, as a believer... Uh, we have been given, the Scripture says, a bunch of keys. Now, I want you to throw up the first slide for me here, and I want you to notice what, what Jesus says here. He, he has things that He wants us to experience. He wants us to have the, the full benefit of all of the privileges, benefits, responsibilities of the kingdom and being included in our citizenship. And He says this to uh, to His church. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now notice what this verse does not say. Notice it does not say that he will give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says specifically, I will give you the keys... Of the kingdom of heaven. When we are born again, when we come to the cross, which we said was the entranceway into the kingdom of God, you are given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. When you're born again, you're given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is saying here is that as you grow in your understanding of all of the benefits and the privileges that come with being a citizen of his kingdom, he will not only give you the keys to the kingdom, he will give you the keys of the kingdom. And he said those keys will unlock the power of the kingdom so that you can see the power of that kingdom actively operating in your life. There's a difference. Notice he doesn't say, I will give you the key." singular. He says, I will give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom, which means that there's obviously more than one, right? So God has these keys. If you're, you're a Christian, as a believer, you have been given a bunch of keys. These keys are called the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures. These keys unlock certain dimensions of the kingdom of God that we have yet to experience. Now I want to try my best to break this down and to teach this in a way that's understanding because I sense in my spirit that where we're at as a church that this is one of the most important messages that God is wanting to get across to us both as individuals and as a congregation. God is calling us to grow up. God is calling us to mature. God is calling us into uh, maturity as a son and a daughter of God. And if we don't understand how the kingdom of God operates, we will revert and digress back into infancy in the kingdom of God. We cannot allow ourselves to remain where we are and still be able to accomplish what God's called me to do. Are you with me this morning? So... As a believer, we have, these, we have been given a bunch of keys, and these keys are called the Scriptures. The problem is, we don't know how to use these keys. We have keys, but we don't know what key unlocks which lock. Now, let me say this. Knowledge of the Word of God is critically important. I'm not downplaying that. It is important to have a knowledge of the Word of God. But just simply having a knowledge of the Word of God alone is not enough for us to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. It's not enough for you to be able to quote a few Bible verses, it's not enough for you to just simply read your Bible on a regular basis. It's not enough for you to have familiarity with the Scriptures or even know the Scriptures because the Scriptures teach us that the Pharisees had knowledge of the Word of God, but they lacked knowledge of the God of the Word. There's a difference. So you can know the book of the Lord and not necessarily know the Lord of the book. So it's not enough for us to have knowledge of the Word of God But we have to know what to do and how to apply the Word of God in order for us to experience and live a victorious life. Now listen to this. Life in the kingdom of God is really just simply a matter of us returning back to the governing authority of God in the earth and then learning how to live and function in that authority. Now, I don't want this to be confusing to you. I want you to grasp this. But but, but living in the kingdom of God, being a kingdom citizen, walking in the full potential of who you are as a child of God, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus requires us to return back every single area of our life and bring it up underneath the authority of the king. Are you with me? The problem is, it's hard to understand kingdom authority with a democratic mindset. Too many people think that their opinion matters when it comes to the word of God. But your opinion is absolutely irrelevant. And if you don't know that your opinion is irrelevant, then you ought to get married. (laughs) After I got married, I realized that my opinion was irrelevant. I only had half an opinion. That half an opinion didn't even matter. But you can't say no, Lord, and mean it at the same time. If he's the Lord... You don't get to pick and choose what Scriptures you obey and what Scriptures you choose not to obey. The Scripture says, He that knows to do good and to not do it to him, it is what? Got quiet really, really quick. So so living in the kingdom of God is returning back to the governing authority of God and then learning how to live and function in that authority. And part of understanding how the kingdom of God operates is understanding how to use the keys to the kingdom of god in heaven okay so that's just a brief introduction i'm going to give you four things really quickly about the purpose of keys what are the purpose of i could have very easily had about 18 points in this message but because i'm merciful i broke it down to four I thought I'd get a shout on that one right there, but I could have stepped in with, like, Ashi and said, you know what, I got 16 points. I'm just on point four. But I want to give you four purposes of the keys of the kingdom. And the first one is this. Keys represent authority. Okay? Keys represent authority. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, what he's saying is this. I am giving you, as a citizen of the kingdom, authority. Now, uh, the word for authority in the Greek language is the word exousia. Say this with me. Exousia. Hold your hand up like you're intelligent and go, exousia. See, I mean, don't you feel more spiritual just by just holding your hand up? But actually, what what the word exousia means is, listen to this, it's the right to rule or govern. Exousia means the right to rule or govern. And the authority that is being given to you and to I as a kingdom citizen is a delegated authority that allows us to speak and act on behalf of the king. That's good right there. I want you to understand God's intended purpose for you. You are an extension of God. The Bible says you've been made kings and priests unto God. Jesus is king of kings, but because you are now part of his inheritance, you now as a son of God become a king and you as a daughter of God become a queen. And God says, you know what, I have delegated authority to you here on earth because you are now my body, an extension of my body, and I've given you authority, delegated authority, so that you are able to speak and act on my behalf. And keys represent authority. Now let me say this. Every believer, if you are a believer, every believer has authority. If I don't, the weakest Christian among us still has authority in the name of Jesus. The problem is, is we don't know how to walk in that authority. We don't know how to operate in that authority because we have a poor self-image. Or, or because we, we, we look down upon ourselves, because we lack confidence, because we don't know the Bible as good as we should, or we don't have the kind of prayer life that we feel like people that walk and operate in authority have, we kind of basically forfeit our authority. But, but this is a delegated authority that is irrevocable by God. The Bible says that there is something that God transfers into our life as believers that cannot be revoked, that are irrevocable. He said the gifts and the callings of God are what? Irrevocable. This authority is irrevocable, just like when Jesus delegated or God delegated authority to Adam and Eve in the garden, He so completely and wholeheartedly delegated authority to Adam and Eve to take dominion over the earth, that they were able to forfeit that dominion and authority over to the devil. Are you getting this? This is extremely important, extremely, extremely foundational for understanding the keys to the kingdom. But the keys represent authority. Authority means the right to rule or govern. Every believer has authority. Now let me explain uh, the importance of understanding this. When it comes to authority, you have to realize that authority is not something you earn. Authority is not something that you deserve. Authority is something that is automatically transferred into your life as a result of coming out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Jesus lives in you. That's what John, when he wrote, he said, Greater is he that is in you. Than he that's in the world. It's important. He's called us to operate as kings and priests under God, walking under the governing authority of God, bringing heaven to earth. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says that the kingdom of God is located where? We're not waiting for the kingdom of God to come. The kingdom of God is waiting for us to come under the governing authority of the king and then he will manifest his kingdom in and through his church. So much so, the scripture says, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is an unstoppable authority placed upon every believer... That is not something that we try to earn or deserve, but something that is transferred through our relationship with Jesus, and it is strictly based on who Jesus is in us and then who we are in Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of identity. We have to learn to identify with not what we do, but who we are. We are un- perfect people, imperfect people, we have flaws, we have weaknesses, we commit sin, we have a fallen nature, but that fallen nature has to be crucified. Our minds have to be renewed. Demons have to be cast out. Strongholds have to be pulled down. We have to wrestle uh, against principalities and powers because there is an opposing kingdom, Jesus said, that if you don't take the authority given to you, You can forfeit that authority, but when you learn to operate and walk in that authority, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against you. And the reason so many Christians live a defeated life and just simply try to exist and try to uh, cope and to just simply get by is because they have not yet learned how to walk in their God-given authority. So the keys represent authority. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, now then, we are made ambassadors for Christ. Now, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who speaks on behalf of the head of state. I'm going to let that marinate for a second. Who is an ambassador? Me? Yes. You? Yes. An ambassador is somebody that speaks on behalf of the head of the kingdom. This is God's will for your life. This is who God wants you to be. This is what God wants earth to become, bringing heaven to earth through his ambassadors or his appointed cabinet called the church. You okay with that? I don't want this to be confusing. I want you to be able to see yourself in light of what Scripture says that you are. I didn't say you were an ambassador. He said you were an ambassador. And an ambassador speaks on behalf of the heads of state. You are to be a representative of the king. Not a representative of yourself. Not a representative of this church not a representative of your clan or your tribe or your denomination or or your doctrine or your philosophy or whatever that may be. You are to be a representative of the king. And he's delegated authority to you so that you could speak and act on his behalf. And listen, possession of these keys means you've been authorized to act in the name and in the authority of the one who owns the keys. Now that's good right there. So first of all, the keys represent what? And every believer has what? If you're living a defeated life right now, It simply could be because you've not yet learned how to take the keys to the kingdom to unlock the authority of the kingdom that is located where? That's good stuff right there. So if you're living a defeated life, I think a good question would be, God, teach me how to take the keys of the kingdom... And unlock the authority that you've given me as a citizen of the kingdom so that I can walk in the victorious field life that you intended for me to walk in. Amen? Here's the second thing keys represent authority. Number two, keys also represent access. Listen to this a key gives you instant access to everything that the key opens. The secret is knowing what the key opens and how to use it. Keys represent authority. Keys represent access. And Jesus specifically says to us, I give you the keys of the kingdom of what? What is behind what we see with the natural eye in the place where God's throne rests and sits that is being blocked out of our life because we don't know how to use the keys? He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven, listen to this, give you immediate access to all of the resources of heaven, but we have to know how to use the key. Are you with me? I know this should be very, very simple. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So once you learn how to take the keys of the kingdom and unlock the kingdom of God into your life, everything, all of the resources that exist in heaven have now become available to you. Now let me give you an example of this. Go ahead and go to this next slide for me. Just leave that up there for me if you don't care. A good example of this is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Syria is making war against Israel, and he's sent out a great army to capture the prophet because this prophet is causing him trouble and is opposing him. And at this particular point in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, the army, this huge army, is encamped around the city. And all of a sudden, Elisha's servant wakes up, opens up the window, looks outside. And all of a sudden, he says to himself, uh-oh, we're surrounded. This is not going to be good. It's not going to turn out well for us. And the Bible says that he was terrified. Now, look what he says to Elisha. He says, Alas, master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, Do not fear, For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, can you imagine what's going through his servant's mind at this point? He's thinking to himself, Elisha has lost his mind. But the problem is this. The servant is looking at what he can see. The prophet is looking what he can't see. And he says, those that are for us are more or greater than those who are against us. Now look what Elisha does. He takes the key and he opens up the kingdom of heaven. And he says, Lord, I pray that his eyes are open that he may see. Then the Lord opened up his eyes, or the eyes of the young man, and what did he do? Do you realize... That, that you've got keys that unlock heaven and then everything that is backing heaven is now able to back you. But the Scripture says this, you have not because you ask not. Elisha knew how to take the key, unlock the door that gave access, immediate access to everything that was made available to him In the kingdom of heaven. And then he prays that his servant's eyes are open. And he says, And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Listen. When you understand and know how to use the keys to the kingdom of heaven, you are able to remain calm in times of crisis. The problem is, when we don't number one, know how to walk in our God-given authority, we become very very afraid. And number two, when we don't understand that these keys unlock the access to heaven and every all of its resources, then we think that it's us against them but when you know how to take the key which is the scriptures you understand that even though this army they are in the midst of a crisis and this great army is surrounding Elisha and his servant he understands that he can take the key of the scriptures and says no weapon formed against me shall prosper the enemy may come against me one way but he'll flee seven ways Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the Lord, uh, he that's in the world. And if God is for me, who can be? Well, either that's true or not. Either that's true or he should wrap this thing up and go join a country club somewhere. The problem is when we don't understand how to use the keys to unlock what's behind the lock, we walk in fear. We walk in depression, we walk in misery, we walk in frustration, we walk in overwhelmed emotions, we we walk in, in all of these things that God has already given us victory over. And we say things like, you know what, God could do that for them, but there's no way God would do that for me. It's simply because you have not took the key of faith and unlocked the lock and released what faith releases when you ask. There was no fancy prayer prayed here, was there? He said, Lord, open his eyes. Anybody can pray that one. But many of us are like the servant. We need to be praying, Lord, open my eyes. Elisha knew that the keys he possessed unlocked immediately all of the resources in heaven. And listen, God doesn't provide resources until those resources are needed. It's like grace. God doesn't give you yesterday's grace today. And He doesn't give you tomorrow's grace today. Grace is given as the moment it is needed. And maybe, you know what, maybe you don't need all these resources at this moment, but Elisha needed all of the resources in his life to begin manifesting at that particular time because he was facing a crisis Now, some of you, you feel like you're in a crisis. But I believe the Lord sent me here this morning to tell you that, listen, there's more of them that are for you than are against you. Whose report shall you believe? Keys, they represent authority. Keys, they represent access. When you have the keys of the kingdom... You can remain calm in crisis because Jesus said like this, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said, you know what? All this is available for you, but you need to take the key to bind some stuff and loose some stuff. Access is immediate and everything you need is in his presence. Isn't that good right there? It gives us authority, represents authority, represents access. Number three, keys represent power. Now notice what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? Talk to me. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, Power is different than authority. You've got to get this. Listen good. Power is different than authority. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Say dunamis. That sound like a bunch of weak Christians there. Unlock the key. Take the key of boldness and say it boldly. Dunamis. Authority. Authority, the Greek word for authority is exousia. The Greek word for power is what? And what does it mean? It means energy, power, might, great force, and ability. Dunamis is the energy that's released when dynamite explodes. Now, how does that apply to our life? What does that actually mean for us? Dunamis is the explosive power of God and His presence in our life and in our situation. Okay? Dunamis is the explosive power of God in our life and in whatever situation we're in. Now, this is how authority and power work together. Exousia is the right to rule or govern. Power, dunamis, is... Energy, power, might, great force, and ability. It is the explosive energy of God. Exousia gives you the right to execute dunamis. You're thinking, what in the world does that mean? Authority gives you the governing right to execute power. Every believer has authority, but not every believer walks in power. There's a difference between the two. Why? Because power is accumulated every day. And the way power is communicated or or accumulated is by taking the key of prayer, taking the key of fasting, taking the key of faith, taking the key of obedience, taking the key of purity, taking the key of holiness, taking the key of pursuit of God and applying it and unlocking it in our life. And power is accumulated. Every believer has authority, but not every believer walks in power. Here's a good example. Authority is like a police officer's badge. A police officer's badge means that he has authority to enforce the law. Right? His gun gives him the power to execute his authority. The badge gives him authority to enforce the law. If when he enforces the law, the criminal doesn't want to cooperate, he has a gun to enforce his authority and execute his power because the badge says he is being authorized to use it. I hope you're getting this. Living in the kingdom of God is understanding your authority and knowing how to walk in power because the devil knows you have authority. What he wants to see is, are you walking in power? Man, that's good right there. That that make me want to shout. But this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I have given you the keys of the kingdom. And so he's saying, you know what? Not only do I give you authority that gives you the right to execute power, if you'll walk with me and take these keys of faith, of purity, of prayer, and fasting. And Jesus said when the the disciples were trying to cast out the devil out of this young boy, he said, you know what? This kind only comes out through prayer and key. Problem is, we don't like to pay the price to learn how to use the key. So we want somebody else to do that and take their key and open it for us. Well, it doesn't work that way. God wants you, because that's, he's called you to be in the kingdom for such time as this, he wants you to operate in. Matthew 28:18 says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority or exousia has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go. Baptize, make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He said, I've given my authority. All authority, all exousia in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I'm giving it to you. You go and walk in that. Then it says here in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, with great power, or dunamis, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Jesus said, behold, I give you exousia or authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all dunamis of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm you. We're talking about living a victorious life. You'll never live a victorious life unless you take the key of authority and power and learn how to walk in that authority while executing that power. Blink twice if you're still with me. This is, it's It's critical. Now, here's the last thing. Then go ahead and come to music. Keys represent authority. Keys represent access. Keys represent power. And number four, keys represent freedom. I love this. And he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what you bind or lock on earth shall be bound or locked in heaven. Whatever you unlock or loose on earth shall be loosed or unlocked in heaven. Keys give you the freedom to go in and to come out, to open, to close, to lock, and to unlock. But the key to the keys is not the key. All right? The key to the keys is not having keys. The key to the keys is having wisdom on what to do and how to use the keys you've been given. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the application of knowledge that you've been given. See, it's not enough for you to know what the Bible says if you don't know how to apply it in your life. If any any man lack wisdom, let him what? Take his key. What's his key? Prayer. Let him do what? Ask. And what happens? It unlocks wisdom, and God will give him wisdom. So God wants us to understand that we are either going in or coming out, opening or closing, locking or unlocking Ourselves in or locking ourselves out. Now the keys to the kingdom are absolute truth. The Bible is absolute in truth. It's infallible, it's inerrant. It is right and good and inspired by God for all situations, for all time. It never goes outdated. It, it, it always remains relevant. The gospel is good even if it makes us squirm. How good is God's word? He said, My word shall not come back void to me, but it will accomplish for that purpose in which it was sent. And when you understand that you can trust God, you can trust God's Word, that He's faithful, that you don't have a biblical knowledge of God, you've got a personal relationship with God, it unlocks the vast treasuries of everything that you're ever going to need in this life and the life to come. Jesus said it like this, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word make is a creation word. It doesn't say the truth shall set you free. It says the truth will make you free. In other words, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall liberate you. Some of you, you've got bondage in your life right now, and you know what the truth says. But the truth has not yet liberated you. Because it's not enough for me to know the truth, for me to preach to you the truth. You have to know the truth for yourself on a personal level for it to have any kind of positive impact in your life. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's not true. What's true is this only the truth that you know sets you free, makes you free. Because I know some truth that won't do a thing for you. I could preach the truth to you till my face turns blue, till I pass out, till I quit breathing, till my heart stops, and it would not do a thing for you until you get revelation knowledge of that truth in your heart on a personal level. But the good thing is, God wants to speak to you right there. If you'll take the key of humility and then the key of prayer and simply say, God, there's obviously some things that I don't know. There's obviously some keys that I've not yet learned how to use. And there's obviously some truth that I have not yet understood because if I had understood it, I wouldn't be in the condition my life is in right now because your truth liberates. Your truth delivers. Your truth sets free. Your truth brings joy. Your truth brings peace. Your truth brings contentment your truth brings victory obviously it's just lip service to me right now but I want it to go from just being lip service to living reality in my life stand with me Jesus said in Luke chapter 8 verse 10 I have given you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. God has some secrets. A lot of times we miss out on the secrets because it's kind of like trying to finish and complete a crossword puzzle. You ever done crossword puzzles. And it gives you all these words and things that you're supposed to circle. And you just search through all of those letters and, and, and you're trying to find the word hope. And you can't find it, you can't find it, you can't find it, and you go like, I can't, I can't find it. And then you turn around and then you look at it and you go, like, oh, right there it is. It's right in front of my face. There's so many things that God has that are right in front of your face that you can't see because you need to really take a closer look. All the the stuff you're searching for is right there. Everything that you need, it's right there. Whatever situation you're in this morning, it's right there. You know what's there? The word exousia is right there. You just have to search for it. Access, immediate access, it's right there. You just, it's right in front of your face. Dunamis is right there. You just have to search for it. If we sought God like we did, seeking, making money, what powerful Christians we would be. If I told you that there was a million dollars within the walls of this building here and whoever found it first could keep it all, what would you do? Would you go? It's not here, it's going to the house. How would you act? How would you behave? What kind of damage would you do to this building if you knew that it was there? You just had to pursue it. And if you found it first, it was yours. Listen, you'd be kicking holes in the wall. You'd be punching the wall. You'd be doing everything you could trying to tear this place apart. When we seek God like we do that, something far greater than money is unlocked and released into our life. Because the most important things in life are not materialistic things. And they're right there. You know what makes a treasure a treasure? A treasure is a treasure because it's rare and it's hard to find. And a treasure is never found on the surface. treasure is something that's hidden beneath. And I feel with all of my heart God saying, listen, there's so much I have yet that are still available for you, but you've just been looking on the surface. You've become satisfied. You've become comfortable. You, you have become complacent. And you've said, you know what? I'm just happy knowing that I'm going to heaven. And you're missing out on the real treasure of knowing Jesus. So you hear here this morning. Are you walking in the authority that the King's given you? Are you in a place where you need access to the King's resources? Are you walking in power? Or are you living in defeat? Do you need freedom, deliverance, liberation? Do you need these things? All of that's available here and now for you. Did you know that? You don't have to walk out of here the same way you walked in. You don't have to become just a, a religious robot where you just come and go, listen, it's available. It's, it's not something that you earn or something that we deserve. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. They're there for you. For, for the taking, for the asking. I mean, say, so you know what? I need, to, I need to know what these keys are. And I need to know how to use them. But if you just so happen to be here and you say, Don, I don't even know what key I need. I don't know what the keys are. I don't know what key I need. There's one key that every one of us know how to use. But rarely do we use it in the way we're supposed to. And that is the key of praise. Did you know that the key of praise unlocks the gates of heaven and grants you access to the king? How do I know that's true? Because the key says in Psalms 100 verse 4, We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with... You got that one. The question is, will you use it? All across this building, let's close our eyes and lift our hands and take the key of praise and just begin to thank God. Well, what do I need to thank God for? Will you thank God for what He's done? I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I thank you, Lord, that you rescued me from the pit. I thank you, Lord, that that you've provided for me and my family. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and your kindness and your generosity. I thank you for the air that I breathe. I thank you for the food that I eat. I thank you for the house we live in, the bed we sleep in, the clothes that we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. And as you thank God, you're entering into the courts or into the gates. And then we transition into praise. And praise is thanking God for who He is. So God, You are merciful. You could have left me the way you found me, but you didn't give me what I deserve. You gave me what I didn't deserve. And you said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our lives. Lord, you are a trusted friend. You are a faithful companion. You are the comforter of our sorrows. You are our banner. You are Jehovah Nissi. You are my banner, my captain in battle. You are Jehovah's sin. You are my righteousness and and my sanctification. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are my healer. Lord, right now, I pray that that reality, that that key, as they begin to to press in and unlock that key, that as, as they release praise, that you'll release what's behind that door. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You take the key of repentance and you simply say, God, I'm a sinner. I've committed sin. My sins have separated me from you. It's not possible for me to save myself. But I want to be born again. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to make me your son, your daughter. And I come before you with nothing. But Lord, I'll take my nothing and I'll give it to you. Because I need you, you don't need me. You're here this morning and you're you're needing access, freedom, whatever it may be. As they sing and as they play, I want to encourage you to get out of your seat. Come and spend some time here at the altar. Say, Lord, teach me to use these keys.